You know, I appreciate our music ministry here and all of its facets. But Steve, on a weekly basis, we appreciate what you do for us. Thank you so much for, for that leadership you give us. Uh, I don't really like to begin sermons with announcements. So when I do that, I hope that you'll pay attention because that makes it important when I do. Uh, and tonight, we're not going to do our normal approach to Sunday evening Bible study. We are going to have a prayer meeting tonight. And here's the point of that. You should have gotten one of these inserts in your bulletin this morning. But in case you didn't get a bulletin, I want to make sure that everybody understands this. We, on Tuesday night of this week, we will begin the meetings of our task force that will help us to flesh out the vision that God has given to us as a church. That is to connect people with the love and the life of Jesus Christ. And so that task force will begin meeting this week. And so tonight, we're going to have a prayer meeting. Now, let me just make sure you understand. We're taking away the bells and the whistles, and we're going to have a prayer meeting, all right? So we'll probably do one song to get us kicked off, and then we'll be in Price Hall around our tables. I like the way we do prayer meetings on Wednesday night, where we pray by tables, and we'll have a full list of everybody on that committee. We also will have smaller cards with individual names on those that you can take with you. But our intent here is that we begin a process of praying for that group consistently over the next three months. And so if you're prone to prayer, then tonight's service is designed for us to get together as a church and pray and you're invited to that, okay? No food, no coffee. We're going to pray, all right? So if you're inclined to do that, then you're welcome to come. All right, with that in mind, now let's get down to the business at hand. Matthew chapter 13 is where I would like for you to go. You'll notice in the bulletin that it gives you just a few verses. Actually, we're going to cover the first 23 verses of this passage today. So I invite you to turn there with me, Matthew chapter 13. I was watching, you know, this time of the year, we get all kinds of um, these programs where they're going to rehearse the previous year and, you know, the, the top 10 songs of the year and the top 10 news stories and the top 10 people and those kind of things. Well, I was kind of in that season and I was flipping through and, and I came across this, this program that was talking, or at least a piece of it, was talking about the most influential movies of all time. And so I tuned in to that. I think that if I remember correctly, the most influential movie of all time was Gone with the Wind. Um, that one didn't capture my attention so much, just to be honest with you. The one that did was one that um, actually they said the, the movie itself was not so influential, but it's one of the most famous individual scenes and pieces of dialogue in all of cinema history. And it comes from the movie called A Few Good Men. And Jack Nicholson plays the part of Colonel Nathan Jessup, a Marine colonel. And Tom Cruise, in a much younger life for him, played the part of Lieutenant Daniel Caffey. And Tom Cruise's character was an attorney. And Jack Nicholson's 
um, role that he played there was tied specifically to the oversight of a situation that caused him not, he was a witness, but some other guys in his unit were on trial. And in the course of this, that, that the whole thing begins to build to this point, this showdown between the attorney, Tom Cruise, and the colonel, Jack Nicholson, and the attorney is saying, we want the truth, we want the truth. And you know that famous reply, Jack Nicholson's character responded, you can't handle this to you. That sociologists of our day may well point to that particular phrase in describing the society in which we live. We have people who are sensitive to the truth. And as a matter of fact, as a church, and then also as individuals within the church, as we seek to build bridges into this community, to connect people with the love and the life of Jesus Christ, we very certainly will run into situations where we will trumpet the truth and people will be offended and turned off by that truth. Ours is a day of relativism. Ours is a day of I make up my own truth. Just this week, as a matter of fact, a couple of days ago, uh, I, I came across this article yesterday, so I think the event occurred the day before, but one of the leading politicians' voices of our time in a conversation, a showdown, if you will, probably not a whole lot of exchange of ideas going on. They were just talking at each other. An individual from the administration of our day was talking to this political figure, and the political refig- uh, figure replied back to this person, I reject your fact. Now, I want you to let that. I don't care about your politics. This is not a political statement. We're, we're trying to get our finger on the pulse of our society here. I reject your facts. Here's a truth for you. If they are facts, then they're not my facts. A fact is a fact, in fact. But the relativism of our day says truth is what I want it to be. And so you can have your truth, but your truth is not necessarily my truth. That's the spirit of our age. So it makes it easy for someone when they're confronted with, with facts. For instance, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and what? The life. Did you notice that Jesus did not say, I am a way, a truth, or a life? He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. That's fairly narrow-minded, don't you think? Well, you may not think so, but the world in which we live does. And so the truth and the facts at least in our society, become those things with which we can play in order to get what we want from them. Jesus says, come to me all of you who labor, are weary, heavy laden, one translation says, and I will give you rest. That's a fact. 
But we live in a world and we are called to be ambassadors into a world. We are called to be bridge builders into a world who may not accept our facts about who Jesus is and what he offers. That presents us with a bit of a dilemma, to be honest with you. How do we effectively do this bridge building that we're talking about? As we step out of our comfort zones and our circles, our echo chambers, if you will, because everybody in our circle and in our little chamber, everybody tends to believe like we believe about what Jesus says. But he calls us to break out of that into the real world that's out there. How do we do this and confront people with the good news of Jesus Christ that they may well reject? How do we do that and still have a hearing with them? I would suggest that this may be a good time for us to call up our poets, to go to the poets of our world today to give us some point of reference, some bit of insight into how we can address this issue and take truth to people in ways that cause them to get it. And so one of those poets, Emily Dickinson, you'll know the name for sure. Emily Dickinson wrote this, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Let me interrupt that reading. I'll finish her poem in just a few moments, but let's make sure we understand her terminology here. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Dictionary tells us that one definition for slant or slanted or slanting is to present something so as to conform to a particular bias or to appeal to a certain audience. So in other words, what we're saying here and what Emily Dickinson says, and I'm going to read the whole poem here just a few seconds, but what we're saying is that there is a way to come at a slant or with a slant that catches people off guard. It takes the truth instead of hammering them between the eyes. You can't handle the truth. And it comes in the side door. Or it flanks the person so that they they have a place where their defenses are down and the truth seeps in. So here's what Emily Dickinson says. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies. Too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise as lightning to the children eased. With explanation, kind. The truth must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. It is an incredible piece of poetry. And it informs our search for the ways, the effective ways to be bridge builders in a society where truth is relative. Tell it all. Tell the, all the truth, but tell it slant. What I'd like to do between now and the end of March is to explore with you some of the words of the greatest truth-told slant teacher of all time. Jesus himself was a master at telling truth on the slant. We call those parables. And so we're going to begin today a study of the parables of Jesus Christ where he himself comes into this issue, into this discussion, and he helps us to tell the truth 
on the slant. Look at, with, at this passage with me now. This is what your bulletin actually refers to, and I've expanded it since we went to press. But in this passage, in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 10 and following, we actually come now in between where Jesus tells a parable and then he explains the parable. I'll come back to that statement in a moment. But in verses 10 through 16, Jesus' disciples now say to him, what are you doing? Now, that's a shorter way than what we find here, but that's essentially, they say, well, why do you speak in parables? Beginning in verse 10, we read this. And then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. I'll stop reading there. We'll come back and pick up what he says on either side of that. But if we take all of what Jesus said there, we can reduce it to this essential statement. Jesus says, I use parables because they can't handle the truth. It's a great study, these parables that Jesus tells. We'll unpack these as we go. And, uh, of course, you must understand, uh, scholars and especially ones that I've been reading of late say that Jesus may well have given us 40 different parables through the course of the Gospels, and we don't have time to go through all of those. But one of the things that I want to do is to help, always I want to help to give you tools for your Bible study toolbox so that you can be a personal studier of the Bible in and of yourself. And so what I'm going to do is a little bit different approach, and that is on Sunday mornings I'm going to preach the parable And then on Sunday nights, beginning next week, then we will unpack the parable and figure out how I got to where I did with the sermon. But especially, we're going to take different approaches to parables and how we find them, and it will be a great study techniques. Having said that, let's look at the one that he gives us here. And I haven't read it yet. I'm about to do that. But as we do that, let me just highlight this truth. What we find in this particular parable that Jesus gives is uh, it's very unusual in that Jesus gives us an explanation of this particular parable. We don't always get that, and much of the time we want that, but in this particular case, he, he gives the parable, he tells why he speaks in parables, and then he explains it to his disciples. And we'll pull all that together now as we work our way through. We begin reading now. In chapter 13, verse 1, And that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, 
where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus gives us the What we find with these parables is all of them, or at least most of them, are specifically designed and delivered by Jesus as a way to teach his disciples about what the kingdom of God looks like in everyday life. Jesus was a peripatetic teacher. He walked around the countryside, as we know through the Gospels, and occasionally he would see something and he would point it out to his disciples, and his disciples, much like you and I, would look at that and go, sure enough, there's a guy out there throwing seed. And Jesus would go, wait, 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 hold on a minute. Let me teach you about the guy out there sowing seeds. He tells it slant. So let's look at these. I I find in this little parable four different kinds of hearers, four different kinds of ways in which we hear. So let's just take them as they come and move forward. The first one is what we would call or what I would call superficial hearing. That is, these are the people who just don't seem to get it. As my dad used to say to me, I keep throwing them, but you ain't catching them. That's the person we're talking about here. The superficial hearer, the one who gets it but doesn't really get it about spiritual truth, about the kingdom of God. Let me me take this out of the spiritual realm and put it into real life realm for you, especially in the realm of education, and maybe this will help you understand. Do you know people who just don't get it when it comes to mathematics? That's a weak response. Let me help you, okay? You do know people like that. Well, at least you know a person like that. Thank you. That's me. I'm that person. You see, I was one of those students. Well, I'll just tell you this. I majored. I got a Bachelor of Arts degree, not a Bachelor of Science degree, because a Bachelor of Arts, you only had to have one math class. I remember in high school, somewhere in that, and there's several things here. I want to be careful that you don't catch me later and try to help me with this, okay? Don't help me. I've been in therapy for some 40 years on some of this stuff. (laughs) Well, not real therapy, but maybe that would have helped. It's, It's this thing called algorithms, all right? Some of you are math teachers. I know that. Please do not catch me and say, let me explain it to you. All right? I have a brain cramp already just using the word algorithms. Okay? And some of you are great at that, and I say, God love you, God bless you. I'm glad that somebody knows how to do that. I never got it. I don't want to get it. So I'm not going to try to get it, all right? I don't get it with algorithms. That's okay. Probably in life it doesn't seem to have hurt me too much. But when we are the ones who don't get it spiritually, it hurts. And the fact is that we live in a world full of people who don't get it spiritually. They just don't get it. Those are the ones that we would call the superficial hearers. They just don't get spiritual truth. And that's because the kingdom truth that comes 
to us in everyday life is snatched away by the enemy. This is not a direct quote. I'll just kind of give you the story and you can go back and check it out. But I believe it was Mahatma Gandhi, that great figure of history, who at one point was exposed to some teachings about Christ and was intrigued by that enough that he began to do a little study about that. If I remember correctly, somebody came to him and said, "Uh, you should be a follower of Christ. And he said something to this effect. Uh, the following, uh, the, the teachings of Christ are intriguing to me. Uh, this is Road Trammel translation. Are intriguing to me. And I might even be a follower of Christ if I didn't know so many Christians. I would submit to you that there's a lot of people like that in our world today. One of the reasons that they reject things as truth that we hold to be eternal truth is because they've perhaps known too many people who called the name of Christ but didn't live the life of Christ. Superficial hearing. This is in verse 4 of the parable itself. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Jesus could have just cut to the chase. Jesus could have just said, okay, I'm going to deliver the truth right between the eyes. He could have said of this particular group of people, you're just dense. That's not a compliment, you know. You just don't get it. He could have done that. But Jesus chose to tell it slant. And so he says, we we just read verse 4. Let's jump over to verse 19 in the explanation. I'll start in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Jesus essentially says you can't handle the truth, and so he tells it slant. The second group of hearers I call those who are fickle. Fickle hearing. Now, Dr. Nickel caught me after the first service, and he's, he's working back there behind the, the doors back there. So he was listening with one ear as I was preaching while he was working out there, and he caught me after the service, and he said, did you say something about pickled herrings? <laughs> yes, sir, that's what I talked about. So let me make sure you get it right. Fickle hearing. This is the individual who hears it and is immediately excited, but then something else comes along and steals their attention away. How about them cowboys? Now, for those of you watching by TV, last night is when they won the wild card round. By the time you watch it, they will have been defeated in the next round. Or so the fickle fan would say. Now, you know that I'm a longtime Cowboys fan because I have this flat spot on my head where I just beat it against the wall every season. Let me put it back down into the spiritual realm for us. You know, there are those people that are hot and cold Christians. They hear something and they like it, and so 
It's all hands on deck. There's initial enthusiasm that comes with hearing something that God's doing, but then over a period of time, it turns toward their attention, turns towards something else. This is fickle hearing. As long as things are going great, as long as things are rosy, as long as it's all honey and no bees, I'll be a follower of Jesus. But at the first onset of trouble, it seems to go away. This is verses 5 and 6. We go back to see what Jesus said. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they, did not, since they had no root, they withered away. You remember about a year ago, not quite a year ago, Teresa was in East Texas for about a month. And she was staying with my folks, but also Lauren was about to have a baby. And so she was gone a full month in there. And this was February into March or mostly March. And, and, and she... Before, before she left, she said to me, now, Mark, I need you to water my plants in the backyard. Did you know that in El Paso, Texas, if you don't water your plants, you have trouble with your wife? <laughs> or so I'm told. It's amazing that Jesus takes that analogy. Some of the Seed fell in this rocky ground, and because it didn't have the nutrients it needed. Now, Jesus could have, he could have just hit them between the eyes with the truth. The group that he's talking about, he could have sat them down, and he could have looked them dead in the eye, and he could have said to them, you are unstable. But he chose to go slant. And so he says this thing about rocky ground. Verses 20 and 21 help us with the explanation. Here's what Jesus says. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. You can't handle the truth. Hot and cold Christians, fickle hearing. Which brings me to the third kind of hearing. This is what I call promising hearing. There's promise to be had in this particular set of hearing ears. This is the special interest group Christian. Back in the day, many of us in here will remember back in the day, I suppose, but uh, places like Baskin Robbins ice cream shops would have what they called the flavor of the day. You remember those days? Wow, I need to introduce y'all to ice cream, apparently. But the flavor of the day would be that kind of ice cream that was not the staples, you know, vanilla, chocolate, strawberry. They, they would come up with these um, exotic kind of flavors, and then they would highlight those. And for that particular day, you could buy it for cheaper than what you normally would buy a cone of that particular ice cream. And their whole uh, basis for that, what their desire was, was to be able to sell more of that kind of ice cream and expand the palate of the customer, the flavor of the day. We find throughout church history that there are those flavor of the day kind of people in church. It's what's hot for the day. 
What can I hear today that will be helpful for me today? But then they kind of lose interest in that over a period of time. And so what's next? And, and I, I, this is a really dangerous place for me because what I really would like to do is to build a soapbox, crawl up on it, and keep you for an hour or two on my soapbox problems. So I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to be very direct. I'm not going slant here. I'm going to just be straight. Much of the Christian book industry is based on flavor of the day Christianity. And so we get on these pushes and we find these points of reference and we jump on board and then that whole industry jumps on board with it. And so before it's all said and done, we have multiple books and video series and all kinds of things that have to do with the minutiae of religious life and somehow Jesus gets lost in the process. Sound like a soapbox to you? Let me just give you a point of reference. A number of years ago now, it was this flavor of the day fad called the prayer of Jabez. Many of you may have those books because most of us are susceptible to this if we're not really aware of what's going on. But I, as I read that book because it was one of those things that really went through, uh, and then somebody in our church, one of our leading members of our church, a teacher, uh, came and said, hey, we really should te- we sh- you should preach a series on this, and we should teach it in Sunday school. And I said, no, actually what you should do is go read it and see if it's in fact valid or not. It's an obscure text for one thing. They were taking it out of context for another thing. And thirdly, well, I'll get off the soapbox at that point. We should be careful that we don't go with the flavor of the day and leave Jesus in the dust. So this is promising hearing, but it doesn't feed the soul. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Jesus could have just said, you need to grow up. But he went slant. And the the thorns choked them. Verse 22 gives the explanation. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. That's three different kinds of hearing that seems to be less than it needs to be. So Jesus closes with the kind that we should aspire to. This is genuine hearing. You know, nothing, nothing encourages a teacher like a student who gets it. Many of you are educators or used to be educators and pastors and missionaries, chaplains. We have a lot of people who are teachers in our church. And you know what I'm talking about. When somebody gets it, man, that's an encouraging thing. Uh, One of the things that I've done through the years with the staff members that I have, I believe as a senior pastor, part of my responsibility is to disciple the staff or at least to provide an atmosphere of discipleship for the staff. And so I've done that through the years. And I, I had a music minister, not in this church, it's another church. Uh, and he's a friend of mine even to this day, as you'll see before I finish this little uh, story. But uh, he was a good friend of mine, but he came out of a background that was religious but not necessarily disciple-oriented. And he um, was new, fairly new in the 
ministry as a minister of music. And then on top of that, uh, he was a terrible golfer. And so I thought, I just need to take this guy in and teach him how to do all of these. And so over a period of about 10 years, I just poured myself into this minister on staff with me. And part of what I tried to teach him was to be strategic and to do planning well and to, to, to make sure that you're working towards a desired end as it relates to discipling other people. And, and you know, some days I thought he just didn't get it. And other days I thought, well, he might get it. About four months ago, three or four months ago, Robert called me, and he's at another church in another place now, and he said, hey, I just wanted you to pray for me, but I also wanted to tell you thank you. And I said, for? <laughs> and he said, well, the situation in my church is this. They'd asked their pastor to leave. That left him as the only staff member there. And he said, all of a sudden, all of this is up to me to deal with. And he said, and in the back of my head, I keep hearing your voice. And I thought to myself, yes. Because he said, I kept hearing you say, be strategic. Love people. Take them to Jesus. And he started parroting back to me some of the things that I had said to him that I honestly thought he didn't hear. Nothing encourages a teacher like someone who gets it. That's who Jesus is talking about here. He provides evidence of the disciple who gets it. Verse 8. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Jesus could have said, if he wanted to hit them between the eyes with the truth, he could have said, people should be more like you. Most of us can't handle that kind of truth. It becomes prideful for us. So instead, Jesus gives it in the form of slant in a parable. And here's the explanation of that, verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Four types of soil. Four types of hearers. I wonder which type you are. How do you hear the words of Jesus today in the teaching about the kingdom of God? The reality is that on any given Sunday, all four of those types of soil will be represented in the lives of people in any given church. But the reality also is that when we step out of the doors of this church, we go into a community of people who need Jesus Christ, which means we need to be genuine hearers. Over the next three months, we're going to take these parables as Jesus goes on the slant to communicate truth. My prayer is it will be a transformative experience for you and for me. Also, my prayer is that in following the example that Jesus gives us here, we will learn how to go out there and tell the truth, but to tell it in ways that catch people a little bit off guard so that they'll hear it. Won't you join me in prayer, if you will, as we close this service?
The invitation for you today is first at the point of what kind of hearer are you? Are you the kind of soil that takes the word of God as it's given to you in whatever form it comes and it bears fruit in your life? If you're not, then my invitation to you is that today would be the day that you make that turn in your life and you determine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply what God says to me. I'm going to take his teaching. I'm going to let it bear fruit in my life. Maybe for some of us, that means for the very first time today, you've heard the truth and you recognize you don't even have a relationship with God, but you know you want it. You know you need it. And so today could be that day for you. This invitation is for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, that seed is there now. What will you do with it? Bob and I will be here to help you process through that, to accept Christ as your Savior and to enter into eternal life and let his life be lived out through you. Whatever the decision is for you, this time of invitation is for you to make it. So, Father, as we come to this time, we ask that you would have your way with us that as individuals sitting in a room with a bunch of other people, we'd be able to isolate ourselves enough to hear your voice and your spirit as you whisper loudly, this is the way, walk in it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.